All right, all right, all right. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Masugin. I appreciate all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode. A lot to get into on this episode. Patrick Mahomes, his offseason already making a big splash. He did something pretty cool that a lot of people loved on social media, but the Chiefs actually did not like it, and they had something to say about it. We'll talk about that. Brett Veach, the general manager for the Kansas City Chiefs, he did a media teleconference with the KC Media, and there were a lot of things that were asked and he responded to and covered, so we will talk about that. One of them including as to whether or not Kareem Hunt would return to the Kansas City Chiefs. You guys had a lot to say about that, so I'll read some of your comments in response to that. One Kansas City Council member thinks the Chiefs should play a home game in St. Louis. I will tell you that I would agree with that under one condition. So I'll touch on that. Pro Football Focus released their top 101 players of 2018 list, and it includes seven Chiefs on that list. I'll mention which Chiefs players have made that list and which ones I think were worthy of being part of that list that PFF missed out on. Also going to talk a little bit XFL and AAF as the American Alliance of Football, the AAF, that will get underway this weekend. They've got some very interesting rules and it'll be interesting to see if the NFL pays attention to it and maybe they will get some ideas from the AAF. And a few former Chiefs, very notable former Chiefs, they will be participating in the AAF in its inaugural season, which kicks off on Saturday. So I'll mention those guys as well. Also, the XFL hired a former Big 12 head coach, a name that a lot of college football fans should be familiar with. And then, of course, we'll do our closing segments, which will include talks about KU basketball, MU football, K-State basketball, the NBA trade deadline, also Patriots fans and how they celebrated their sixth championship in Foxborough. Appreciate all of you guys making time to download and listen to this episode. Like I said, a lot to get into on this episode, so little time to waste before we get underway. I want to remind you guys, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. So make sure you hit the subscribe button, share it as well, spread the links out. You can also interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzin That is my Facebook page. Give it a like, follow me on Facebook, also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21, plus my email is Farzin at FarzinVasugian.com. And I appreciate all of you guys who uh, invited your friends to the Facebook page. We have now reached 4,000 likes on Facebook, so I appreciate all of you guys who have done that. Uh, I'll go ahead and make a deal with you guys, because I don't want it to end there, of course. And like I said, the past two months, I mean, the page has just gone up. Uh, we've had more than, I think, two and a half million reaches. Obviously, a lot of new people liking the page. A lot of commenters from people who don't even like the page, which is which is great. I mean, that's cool. I prefer everyone liking the page. But still, all the discussions that we've been having, uh, it's all because of you guys. And I appreciate uh, you guys who have done that. And I appreciate all of you who have invited your friends. Obviously, you guys have been doing that as the page has continued to grow, as well as the podcast. Uh, the the total numbers and all, and we're wanting to continue that in the off season. I know generally this this time of year, every year, once the Chiefs are done, once the season's over, we take a dip with all of that, and I want to try to avoid that. So here's my here's my deal with you guys. If we can before the season kicks off, before the first Chiefs regular season game, not preseason regular season game, which is going to be what 
roughly the second week of September or, or the first week, somewhere in there. I think it'll be September the 9th or 10th, somewhere around there. If we can get the page to 5,000 likes, I'll give away one signed Patrick Mahomes item. We'll, we'll get it and one of you guys will win it. If we get to 7,500, we'll give away two signed Patrick Mahomes items. And if we get to 10,000, we'll do three. I don't anticipate that happening, but that's why I'm willing to uh, ante up the uh, the offer. So 5,000, we'll give away something. 7,502, we'll make it two signed Mahomes items. Three, I mean, I'm, I, we'll, we'll make it happen. We just will. But you guys have to make it happen. So... You guys do your end. You you guys do your job. I'll do mine if we can make that happen. So I don't I don't think anyone's going to say no to that. So I think it's a fair deal. So if you guys can continue to spread the word, let your friends know about the podcast and share uh like I said, I mentioned last uh, episode if you if, if there is a way how you can quickly it's better on the desktop, on a laptop or a, or a, or a desktop rather than doing doing it on your iPhone or your Android, whatever smartphone you have. Because a Facebook app, you have to invite your friends individually. If you do it on your laptop or your computer or your desktop, you can easily invite all your friends at once. So if you can do that, then of course, hopefully we'll have more people liking the page. And of course, we'll give away uh, a Mahomes signed item, maybe more than one. Uh, that, that, that'll be up to you guys though. So hopefully we can make that happen before... The first regular season game for the Chiefs in 2019. So I'll let you guys decide on that. Speaking of 2019, here are some key dates that you guys need to know for the 2019 offseason. February the 12th, which is coming up very soon, players from CFL clubs can sign with an NFL team as long as their contracts from the CFL are up on February the 19th. That is the first day for teams to use the franchise or transition tag for players who are without a contract and eligible to receive one of those designations. The deadline to use those tags, that is going to be on March the 5th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. April the 1st, teams with new NFL head coaches, they can begin their off-season workout programs. And then on April the 15th, teams with returning head coaches may begin off-season workout programs. April the 19th, that is the deadline for restricted free agents to sign their offer sheets. And then April the 25th through the 27th, that is the NFL draft, uh, a three-day event that will take place starting on Thursday the 25th all the way through Saturday the 27th. And I did forget one important date from that list, March the 13th. That is when, starting at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, March the 13th, that is when teams uh, can begin signing other players. That is also, uh, basically the start of free agency, which is also considered the start of the new league year. So there are those off-season dates for you to be aware of. And obviously with the Chiefs, uh, because they have a returning head coach in Andy Reid, their off-season programs can start as early as April the 15th. Speaking of the offseason, everyone's in the offseason mode right now. The Patriots, they, they had their parade, which I'm going to get into later on. Uh, now all of their players, they're home uh, for, for the offseason for now. Uh, that includes Patrick Mahomes, who won the MVP award last Saturday 
And then two days later, he is playing a pickup basketball game with some people at Lifetime Fitness. Uh, the Lifetime Fitness Gym in Overland Park. Uh, they also have one in Lenexa, but I believe this one was in the uh, Overland Park gym where he was. Uh, he's just playing basketball with, with some people. And I it looked like Garrick Dieter was in, the, was in there somewhere. I know he's not the most familiar face for the Chiefs being one of the... Uh, one of the guys who, who's on the bottom of the receiving depth chart, but uh, it looked like he was there. He and Patrick Mahomes, they're, they're, they're pretty good friends. In fact, uh, Dieter was actually at the Pro Bowl, hanging out with Mahomes and everyone else there. But somebody filmed uh, Patrick Mahomes basically schooling someone with a crossover, finishing strong with a layup. Uh, people in the gym went crazy about it. Everyone on social media went crazy about it, sharing it. It was it was all over ESPN, Bleacher Report, CBS Sports, all the sports media, all the Barstool Sports, they all shared that video. And that, of course, caught the attention of the Chiefs' front office, including general manager Brett Veach. He told Soren Petro on Sports Radio 810 Thursday morning that they have spoke to Mahomes and his agent, and they said he cannot do that, and they pretty much got to the bottom of it, saying that he cannot be playing basketball with people out and about like that. In fact, in Mahomes' contract, it says uh, no water skiing, no snow skiing, no jet skiing, no surfing, hang gliding, bungee jumping, diving, skydiving, scuba diving, rock or mountain climbing, no boxing, no basketball, which is what Mahomes got in trouble for. And when I say in trouble, I mean, it, it was just a slap on the wrist, I, I, I guess. Uh, no race car driving uh, as a driver nor a passenger uh, no riding a motorcycle. This was a big one a few years ago with Ben Roethlisberger uh, very early in his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Got into a, a horrific motorcycle accident. Managed to come out of it in fairly good shape, but did suffer a couple of injuries uh, at the time. And also did not have a helmet when that happened. Uh, also uh, forbidden all uh, Tarion or similar vehicle as a driver or passenger no use of firearms, which I think is kind of interesting, but I can also understand the sensitivity of that in terms of his safety. And no professional wrestling as well. Uh, I, I think this one has been more common, the professional wrestling one, because Rob Gronkowski, he appeared at a WrestleMania a couple of years ago, and it was just for a second, but he just went and shoved uh, somebody. I, I, I don't know who it was. I don't follow wrestling much anymore. Uh, but he shoved somebody... And I think that created a big uproar that, hey, look, even the smallest bit of contact, uh, that can, something could happen there. Now, I said this on social media right after it happened. I said, hey, look, it's cool. He's going out there having fun, just playing with fans. Whether I mean, there's a chance someone in there is not a Chiefs fan, but he's still hanging out with them, playing basketball, a pickup game at the gym. But there is a big concern for that. First off, let me just pull back the curtain a little bit. There was a Los Angeles Lakers player uh, several years ago. I can't remember who it was. Uh, his name escapes my mind right now. But he was snowboarding during the offseason, and that is not allowed. I mentioned, uh, I mean, in Mahomes' contract, the uh, exact word is snow skiing. These kinds of things players are not allowed to do, unfortunately. Now, you might be wondering, last year... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know if he was actually playing 
Like, I mean, if, if he was if he took part in the game, I remember a lot of Chiefs players were involved in a charity basketball game. I think those are, I mean, that, that may be an exception because at least in, in an event like that, it's it's usually celebrities who are participating in, some, in something like that. Therefore, it's a little bit more organized, and those celebrities aren't even giving it 100% effort. I mean, some of those guys are models, actors, athletes, so they don't want to suffer a big injury or, or, or get hit in the eye or with a ball or something, and that would hurt their personal careers. Uh, I know uh, the Kansas City Big Slick crew, Rob Riggle, Paul Rudd, David Koechner, Jason Sudeikis, uh, Eric Stone Street, uh, very cool guys. Uh, they put together this Big Slick baseball event at Kauffman Stadium once a year, inviting a lot of celebrities. Travis Kelsey has participated in this. Matt Beasler of Sporting KC, Dustin Colquitt, as well as his brother, Britton Colquitt. They've participated in this. And look, they're not giving... 100% effort. So I think when it comes to these kinds of things where players are under contract and it says not to do these things, uh, I, I think charity events are an exception because you're there with other people who also need to be cautious. So, I mean, Kelsey's not giving it 100%. He knows that if he swings as hard as he can and hears his back, well, it's going to look bad on him. And the Chiefs could actually hand out some punishments behind closed doors with this team imposed punishments that is here's the one thing that i want to keep in mind and i want you guys to keep in mind as well patrick Mahomes does not want to be a celebrity he does not want to be viewed differently in fact when he goes to the grocery store or when he goes to a place like the gym he doesn't care who you are he doesn't care that he is a, a a league MVP playing quarterback professionally and you are someone working a normal 40-hour desk job. Patrick Mahomes wants to live a normal life like anyone else. Unfortunately, being a quarterback in the NFL, playing pro sports, being a public figure, that comes with a territory. Winning league MVP also comes with a territory. And and look, people might look at this and say the Chiefs and Brett Veach, they're acting like overprotective parents. They have to at this point. I know it sounds silly, but I said this on social media. Some of you guys actually got angry about this. And I said this right after the video went viral. And Brett Veach essentially just kind of squashed that. You never know if there's a knucklehead on the basketball court that whether he's a Chiefs fan or not, Maybe he could get his 15 seconds of fame by, quote-unquote, accidentally injuring Mahomes. That would create a big mess across the board for the Chiefs, obviously for Mahomes, but for the Chiefs, uh, for the NFL, other sports leagues may look into things like this and say, look, you not only did something you you were not supposed to be doing, but now this fool intentionally hurt you and now we can bring a big lawsuit into this because what reason did you have to do that now there would need to obviously video evidence of of, of things like that but generally these kinds of places i mean everywhere now people have smartphones or, or security cameras they're everywhere nowadays but at the end of the day you never know whether intentional or not someone could go out there, maybe, again, accidental or not, trip Mahomes, and he tears his ACL. Well, what happens then? I know a lot of Chiefs fans are angry about this. They think it's silly. 
But if Mahomes suffers an injury playing a pickup basketball game, there's going to be a big outcry from Chiefs fans complaining about why Mahomes was allowed to do this. And they were a lot of Chiefs fans would be calling for the guy's head, whoever injured him. And look, in this day and age where if someone does something wrong, people are sending death threats and they're, they're, they're going to call their employer calling for their job. I, I mean, it, it's just now, it, and I, again, I know those are small things, but it just takes like, it just takes one person to really screw this all up. And so many people get involved for one minor incident. So I don't fault the chiefs for calling up Mahomes and, and, and saying this, look, you've got to do what you got to do to protect your guy and make sure that they're not violating. I mean, it's a contract Mahomes signed. He's got to understand that too. And uh, Sam Millinger of the Kansas City Star, he said it perfectly. Look, if you don't want to be treated uh, like an overprotect, uh, like a kid who has overprotective parents, then don't win league MVP in your essentially first year playing. And he's absolutely right. Again, what Mahomes has been able to accomplish. I mean, he, now he there, there are billboards in downtown Kansas City of him with the Adidas logo winning league MVP. In fact, the Adidas headquarters has the same poster of Mahomes uh, on the side of their building. He's a pretty big deal. And you just never know if there's somebody out there that wants to create a, a headline on all these media outlets by intentionally injuring him. Those kinds of things unfortunately happen. Let me add one other layer to this. Anybody who has been in a university where athletics is a big deal, you're probably aware. And here's something that I guess some sports fans may not be aware of. Sometimes students at universities know a little bit more than the media about certain things that take place with athletes. For example, player drops his class after the season ends in anticipation that he will soon declare for the NBA draft. That happened with Andrew Wiggins in Kansas. I don't think the media is allowed to report on that, even if they hear from that, that he dropped his classes, because I think there may be a rule that you can't necessarily report on someone's uh, academics in a specific manner. Sure, you can mention if they made the all-academic team, that's something that the NCAA encourages, but as far as specific grades or if someone drops a class, I think that stuff is forbidden. Uh, so I, I think there's a little rule there, but as far as players go, I remember when I was at KU, I would hear students who, uh, some of the fraternities at KU have a basketball court and there were KU basketball players who would either go to the, the rec, which was made available to students and faculty members and play basketball with them, or they would go to these fraternity houses playing a pickup basketball game just like Mahomes did at this Lifetime Fitness Gym in Overland Park. If Bill Self, and look, Bill Self's no dummy, uh, coaches in basketball, football at the college level, they know that, I mean, all their players, there's a chance that a couple of them are doing something they shouldn't do. But if Bill Self were to find out, and if he actually had proof that there are players on the team going and playing pickup basketball games at the rec or at a fraternity house. He's not going to be happy about that. And maybe he has found a way to come down on those things and, and maybe just hand out team imposed sanctions. But you've got to be very careful with those kinds of things. If you're an athlete at the college level or at the pro level, I know it sounds very strict and very silly, but if there is an incident that happens, whether you get injured, again, intentionally or not, and even beyond that, what a, you, look, 
we, we, we've been there before. We've played sports before where maybe someone has a hard foul on you and you, you get upset about it. Or maybe someone gets upset about it and a fight starts on the court. And if Mahomes is involved in, in a fight like this, uh, I mean, this is, again, that'll create a big mess. And that's not going to be a good look from a PR standpoint for the Chiefs. Same thing for a college basketball team. If you're going and playing at uh, at a fraternity house, it's not going to be a good look for you. So for those who are upset by this with the Chiefs getting strict, giving a slap on the wrist to Mahomes for this, trust me when I say it is the best thing for everybody. It's the best thing for the Chiefs, obviously. Their, their, their franchise QB is going to be safe. It's obviously safe for Mahomes because he's not going to be involved with a knucklehead who might take advantage of this. And it's also good for the fans because, let's be honest, there are some fans out there who were concerned about this when they saw the video go viral. So I've got no problems with this. If you do, let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzian We've already got a discussion about it going on on the Facebook page. You guys have also sent me your tweets as well. I stand by the Chiefs on this one. I think they made the right move in making sure that he does not get involved in things like this. I saw Tyreek Hill. He was playing basketball in a video he posted recently. But what I noticed is that there wasn't a big crowd around and... It looked like he had the gym to himself. Maybe it was a private gym. I don't know. With just him and one or two buddies of his. If it's an enclosed situation like that, I imagine that's not a big deal. Maybe it is a big deal. And maybe the Chiefs are going to say something to Tyree Kill. And it's not going to get out there in the media. But that is something to to be aware of. I, I think maybe there are certain exceptions. Look, maybe if you're by yourself doing this, maybe that's okay. But if you're playing with other people in an unorganized matter... That's where it turns into an issue. Now, speaking of Brett Veach, he did speak to the Chiefs media and had a teleconference. Uh, a lot of things were asked, in fact, uh, with Mahomes. You know, I mean, if he suffers that injury, that, of course, hurts his contract situation. Uh, he was asked about Mahomes' contract situation for next year because. Around this time next year, there's a very good chance that he could get a contract extension. Veach said that the Chiefs have already been planning uh, for this for more than a year now by working on cap room for the future. And he mentioned guys like Brant Tillis and Chris Shea, who are part of the front office, and guys who uh, help handle the cap for the Chiefs. He credited them for working hard on that and mentioned the deals with Sammy Watkins and Anthony Hitchens as well as a deal uh, they had during the season with Damian Williams, talked about how they adjusted those contracts appropriately to make sure that there would be enough to extend Mahomes when the time comes. Now, you guys might be wondering, what about guys like Justin Houston? He is set to make, uh, or he has a cap number, rather, of $21.1 million. Eric Berry, uh, by the way, that's uh, first on the team, more than anyone on the team. Eric Berry is third, with a cap number of $16.5 million, that's, uh, that adds up to $37.6 million combined from Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Uh, and for those wondering, Sammy Watkins is second with $19.2 million, a cap number of $19.2 million. So the Chiefs have already been working uh, ahead of time. Now, maybe a restructure from Justin Houston or Eric Berry or both would definitely help that. And he was asked shortly afterwards about D4, Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones, their contract situations. He had a lot of good things to say about all of them. He mentioned that D4, this was obviously his best year staying healthy and 
really helped the Chiefs out quite a lot despite the defense not being so good. And he also talked about how Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones, both 2016 draft picks, and the fact that this is their first offseason in which both players are eligible for new deals. And these are both guys that the Chiefs really want to extend. He talked about Hill and Jones, and he mentioned that he will hear from their agents either the next week or two. And if he doesn't hear from them, everyone's going to be at Indianapolis. All the coaches, general managers, scouts, agents, they're all going to be at Indianapolis for the Combine. And there will be plenty of opportunities to talk to their agents for sure. So there will be some discussion with those guys before things get underway. So that'll be something to keep note of and and follow for the next couple of weeks. See what happens with uh, Hill's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, Chris Jones, and his uh, agency, and uh, what's going to happen then. Those are two big guys uh, entering free agency if they are not signed to deals, although I assume, or excuse me, uh, they're not free agents. I take that back, but uh, they're both uh, eligible for new deals. So I I, I apologize, uh, correction there, but uh, you never know if any of them would consider the idea of holding out. In training camp, asking for a new deal if uh, they feel like they deserve it. And gosh, I mean, they both had amazing seasons, uh, and they've both been very good for a while, especially Tyreek Hill. Chris Jones, he's gradually gotten better. He took a big jump this year with his performance, and you know they're both uh, deserving of big paydays. So we'll see if anything happens during the season, uh, during the offseason, excuse me, or if... They want to wait a little bit on Chris Jones and give Tyree Kill a new deal. Maybe they want Chris Jones to continue that dominance during the 2019 season, and they can extend him during the 2019 season. So that is a possibility as well. Brett Veach was also asked about Steve Spagnuolo joining the Chiefs as a defensive coordinator, replacing Bob Sutton. And if the defensive players are versatile enough to make the switch to the 4-3 defense, and Veach spoke highly about a lot of the the players on this defense. He mentioned D Ford and the fact that he he should do really well under a four three scheme. He mentioned Derek Nadi, the rookie who was taken in the third round, the second draft pick for the Chiefs this past year or last year, I should say. At this point, uh, also talked about Justin Houston, Dorian O'Daniel. They're all capable of doing well in the four three. Said Chris Jones can play in just about any scheme under any defensive coordinator. Also mentioned Charvarius uh, Ward and Armani Watts, uh, both rookies. The Chiefs traded for Charvarius Ward and drafted Armani Watts in the fourth round. And I think that's kind of interesting that he knows defensive backs. Because generally a 4-3 switch to a 3-4 or vice versa. That mostly impacts the front seven defensive players. uh, Guys who shift from inside to outside linebacker or outside to inside. And then you know who, who from defensive tackles convert to defensive ends from a 4-3 to a 3-4. That is something that gets talked about. Uh, Generally, defensive backs, their duties stay the same for the most part. Maybe a couple of things change here and there. Uh, But I thought it was interesting that he noted those guys under uh, from from the question about switching to the 4-3 and Steve Spagnuolo and what kind of improvements maybe we can expect from both of those guys in their sophomore seasons. In 2019, he was also asked about Chief Safety Eric Berry and the situation there. Didn't really say a whole lot. He said Eric Berry is going through every exam before deciding what is the best plan for him this offseason. Also said that Eric Berry and the Chiefs left on a good note when it comes to his injury. Not exactly sure what that meant. Maybe he meant things were 
everyone was in line, I guess, as soon as the season came to an end uh, after the AFC title game. Not exactly sure. Uh, he did mention that athletic trainer Rick Burkholder would be a better person to ask uh, for something like this. He he mentioned that Barry was literally day-to-day pretty much all year long. Uh, he never mentioned anything about restructuring a, a deal with Eric Barry, just his medical situation, his medical status, and getting ready to play under Spagnuolo's 4-3 defense. In fact, uh, he was also asked about uh, Justin Houston's contact situation and maybe about a restructure there, and he said that uh, that is uh, there have not been any talks about about that. Now, gen- usually general managers won't speak about these kinds of things publicly, so take that for what it's worth to you. Uh, he did touch on the cap space situation because Eric Berry's contract and Justin Houston's contract uh, that has definitely created a big rift with the salary cap for the team. And he mentioned that everyone from the team in the front office, they have learned from their mistakes in the past. I think a big part of that has to do with John Dorsey, and we'll see if he's learned from that uh, as he is now in Cleveland. He, he said, look, he wants to bring everyone back. He'd love to bring a lot of players back, but it, it's it's going to be difficult to do. It's not a realistic thing to do, essentially, is what he was trying to tell the media. Uh, but... I think with I'll say this about Brett Veach. I think he's done a really good job as a general manager, and this is going to be his first time as a general manager having a first round draft pick. Plus, you've got two second round draft picks. One of the second one coming from the Marcus Peters trade. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs do with their draft picks now that Brett Veach has a first round pick. And I know it's very late, but I mentioned uh, a couple of times this offseason, uh, Tyree Kill and Chris Jones. They were in the same draft class, and neither of them were first-round picks, so you know you're capable of finding guys, great players, anywhere in the draft. Uh, just depends on how much you do, you do your due diligence. If they come to Andy Reid's team and if they uh, they're coached very well, a lot of a lot of factors do come into finding those secret weapons in these drafts. But I trust that Brett Veach is going to be able to do that again. Uh, I think he's going to have a good offseason. He's done a very good job restructuring contracts when he has. He's been able to get uh, extensions on players at really good times, uh, especially with Damian Williams uh, adding a running back as the Chiefs are very thin at that position at the moment uh, after what happened with Kareem Hunt. And they don't have a lot of running backs under contract right now. Spencer Ware and Sharkendrick West both without a contract right now. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Chiefs want to do moving forward at that position, as well as you know any other position on this team. And I think that is an area where I think Brett Veach, you gotta, you, I think you got to feel optimistic about because he's done a very good job. He's brought in a lot of players, guys like Reggie Ragland, and I know he didn't do very well this past year, but his first year with the Chiefs, a lot of people were, were happy with what they saw from him. And he's worked really hard. I mean, he did it even though he was the general manager briefly going into last year's training camp. He still went to work. He did not care if he was one, one and a half, two months into his job replacing John Dorsey. He went to work and he tried to do everything he could uh, from the moment he became the GM to try to improve this football team. And not a lot of GMs would be willing to make moves like that right away, especially when you become a GM at such an odd time. And now after a full offseason last year, I'm sure he's learned from some of his mistakes that he's made in the short time one and a half years that he's been the general manager. Now, let's see what he does with some of the things that he's learned and knowing what he has with his football team. You were an overtime period away from a Super Bowl appearance and just a couple of adjustments, especially on the defensive side, and you've got yourself 
a Super Bowl football team. So that'll be very interesting to see what he does. I mentioned Kareem Hunt and the running backs. He was asked from, I don't know who exactly, but uh, someone from the media asked if Kareem Hunt would get a second chance with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't want to miss my words with anything that he had said, so I'm going to read you the full quote on this. And it's a long one, so bear with me. Uh, He says, him playing for the Chiefs is on the back burner. Our focus and our hope for Kareem is that he's able to take the steps necessary to get his life in order and to do the right things. Our focus on Kareem is making sure that he's getting the help he needs and he gets his life straight first. Everything else after that is not as important, just making sure that he and his family are in a good place and they're working to get better every day. He also said, I don't like to speak in definitive terms on anybody. There was always scenarios down the line, guys that have done everything asked of them through the league and through all these steps of rehabilitation, that sort of thing. Again, that's not something that has been discussed here or something that we're not thinking about. When we're in touch with Kareem, which we have been in regard to our guys talking to his representation and our coaches talking to Kareem. That's interesting. I had no idea they were still in contact with Kareem. Uh, He continues, it is solely about Kareem making sure he has his life on track and football and Kareem is the furthest thing from our mind right now. What what do you guys think? I I mean, I'll, I'll read your comments in a moment, but... Uh, I'll say this, you know, if the question was straight up, will Kareem Hunt get a second chance? He didn't say yes, but he didn't say no either. That's kind of an interesting answer. Generally, a lot of times with these kinds of things, a lot of times you'll hear coaches and players say, we will not talk about players who are not on this team. And that's the end of the answer. A lot of times when players are not at OTAs, we saw this with Belichick this past, or or last, I I need to stop saying that, but Belichick said this about Tom Brady last year when Brady did not attend OTAs, Uh, which look, as you can imagine, every question at OTAs is probably going to be about Tom Brady not being there, but Belichick's response was, we are only going to talk about the players who are here. Andy Reid had had done that here, Todd Haley did that when he was here, same with Herm Edwards, Dick Vermeil. they did not talk about guys who were not in OTAs, unless it was just for one day, if they had a family emergency or something personal that, that, that they had to take care of for one day, they would just simply mention that and move on from it, and the media would not ask anything else about it. But to give an answer like that for a guy who's not on your team, when 99% of the time when people are asked about former players, players who are not on the team, they always brush it off with, we don't talk about anyone on the team. That is a very lengthy answer. I mean, I read the entire quote. That's a that's a big response. That's a very long response for a guy who's not on the team. And I get he's trying to give an explanation that, hey, look, we're looking out for Kareem. We're still in contact with him, with again, which, which again, I had no idea that they were still doing that, which is good to hear from the Chiefs. Uh, there, was, uh, there was the report from Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter that... He could go to Chicago, of course, has familiarity with Matt Nagy, the offensive, former offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, now the head coach, and just one head coach of the year from the Associated Press in his first year with the Chicago Bears, and there's a chance that he could go to Chicago and reunite with Matt Nagy. And in fact, if that does happen, Kareem Hunt would face the Chiefs in 2019, so that is something interesting to be aware of since the Chiefs are playing 
the NFC North in 2019. Now, I asked you guys on the Facebook page. I told you guys what uh, what Brett Veach said. And so I asked you guys, would you be in favor of Kareem Hunt coming back to Kansas City? Matt wrote, he won't come back. We cut him. Why go back to the team that cut you when you can go elsewhere? And to that, I say, look, he knows why it happened. He did something he shouldn't have done. He lied about it. There were two other incidents that took place in the offseason last year, and the Chiefs weren't happy about that. So that's why they let him go, and therefore Kareem Hunt has to understand that he has to take full ownership in the fact that he's the reason that he got cut. Ben wrote, sign him ASAP. We all saw that we couldn't run the football against the Patriots and therefore lost. Everyone deserves a second chance. And to that I say, uh, he mentioned sign him ASAP. And I want everyone to be aware, even though Kareem Hunt is a free agent right now, he cannot sign with a team because he's still on the commissioner's exempt list, which Rappaport did mention uh, a few weeks ago that it is expected that he will be removed uh, from the list at some point in March. Didn't give a specific time frame, but uh, sometime in March, sometime next month, uh, he is expected to be removed from the list and would be available to sign with any of the 32 NFL teams. Charisma said, Kareem and Patrick have chemistry. If he does all the things the league asks of him, I want the man in red and yellow again. Kiri says, it depends on him. Did he go through anger management therapy? What has he done to make sure it wouldn't happen again? There are a lot of factors that would have to go into it. Most of you guys said yes, that he deserves a second chance and that you don't want to run the risk of him going elsewhere, especially to a division rival and beating you in a significant game or even bigger, a playoff game and winning a championship elsewhere. A couple of you guys said no, but a majority of you, overwhelming majority, said yes to this. Now, one person on uh, social media asked, what was the point of cutting him if you're going to get him back? And to that I say, because he was on the commissioner's exempt list, uh, so here's what happened. For those who don't remember, he was placed on the commissioner's exempt list and in less than an hour, he got released. When he was on the commissioner's exempt list, he was still on the team. And I did not, I was not aware of this, but because he was on the exempt list, the Chiefs could not replace him. Because you're on the commissioner's exempt list, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to play, you're not allowed to practice, you cannot be at the facility unless it's for treatment for an injury. That's really the only time you are allowed at a team facility. So it's almost like a player on IR, except they're still on the 53-man roster, and your 53-man roster then turns into a 52-man roster, which I think is extremely unfair because of his actions. The Chiefs have to suffer for it. Uh, I would imagine that's a small part of the reason why the Chiefs released him, uh, but that is how the time frame happened. Because he's still on the exempt list, he cannot sign with a team just yet. So that is one thing that everyone should keep in mind. Another person on social media tweeted me and said that the downside is that he would be very expensive. And yes, that that is a valid point. Uh, But to that I will say that, and by the way, the gentleman's name was Terry. I I forgot that. I pulled that up real quickly. But here's what I will say. Yeah, he's had two great seasons or one and a half seasons, whatever you want to, however you want to call it. The thing with Kareem Hunt is... He left the team on really bad terms. And 
he has to understand that if he's not going to get the price that he wants, there is a big reason for it. Whoever he joins, I think it's going to be on a one-year deal, and it's not going to be a big contract. It might be just a little bit above league minimum. Maybe you get a million dollars, maybe a $2 million year, but it's going to be a one-year contract because in one year, you can learn a lot about a guy. Is he going to be able to keep his head on straight? Is he going to continue to stay out of trouble from this point on? That is something that I think teams are going to do when considering offering a contract to Kareem Hunt. I don't, I'd be very surprised if a team out there handed him a deal that is more than a year. So that is something to be aware of. Me personally, I don't think it happens. I just don't see this happening with the Chiefs. Uh, The reason I say that, I mentioned uh, recently the negative PR with uh, Clark that he hates. We saw what happened with Marcus Peters. The the protesting, the throwing the flag, arguing with coaches, arguing with fans, uh, the argument behind closed doors during a team meeting. That led to his suspension, supposedly. And that brought a lot of negative PR. They traded him. The DeAnthony Thomas situation, look, he's a free agent, so it's not a... I don't think Brett Veach even answered a question about this, which I was very surprised about. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's negative PR, and that probably hurts DeAnthony Thomas' chances, especially because these negative instances are slowly adding up. And the Chiefs have done their best to get away from them. Here's the biggest reason why... I say that with the negative PR thing. The Chiefs distanced, them, excuse me, distanced themselves from Kareem Hunt. And a big reason they, in doing so, if you go to the Chiefs' Instagram page, they deleted every single photo that had Kareem Hunt's face. The only photo of Kareem Hunt that is still on there is a photo that shows Eric Bieniemy and all the running backs he has coached. Which is a photo that's more geared uh, on Eric Bieniemy than it is on Kareem Hunt. So they left that photo on there. Any photo that has Kareem Hunt's face, any photo of Kareem Hunt high-fiving Patrick Mahomes or anyone else on the team, that has been removed. The Chiefs, in in a public form, are trying to stay far away from Kareem Hunt. They're obviously still in contact with him. So that's... That's something, obviously, we learned about. But they don't want... To be publicly tied in with him. Therefore, that's why I don't think he will be coming back to Kansas City. Maybe you guys disagree. Let me know if you do. A couple of other notes before we go to our closing segments. A Kansas City councilman said that he thinks the Chiefs should play one home game per year in St. Louis to expand to another big market in Missouri since they don't have an NFL team anymore. Which is understandable, his, his thought process in that. Uh, in doing so, he thinks if the Chiefs do play one game per year in St. Louis, then they should not play international games for the NFL. And you know what? I agree with this. If it's a preseason game, look, I, I, you have the loudest stadium in the NFL. And I'm not doubting that there are a lot of Chiefs fans in St. Louis now or that a lot of Chiefs fans from Kansas City would travel to St. Louis. Maybe there are a lot of Chiefs fans who are in uh, in the Chicago area who might be willing to make the drive to St. Louis. Maybe Chiefs fans that live in uh, the southeast part of Iowa, that they'd be willing to go there. Maybe, maybe Chiefs fans that are in the surrounding parts of the St. Louis area and they'd be willing to make the trip. 
but here's the thing. You have the loudest home stadium in the NFL. Uh, you've got a stadium that seats more than 70,000 fans, which at, at one point it was a top five stadium in terms of capacity, but now that is being changed as all these new stadiums are being built. And eventually Arrowhead is going to have to go, and they're going to have to create a new Arrowhead stadium uh, someday, so that way they can have a state-of-the-art facility and have uh, the opportunity to have a Super Bowl and such. That won't be for a while, though. Uh, it'll be several years, but you get you get the idea. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not in favor of this. Not unless if it's a preseason game. First of all, this idea came about because the Chiefs are playing a game in Mexico against the Chargers this year. Now, as you guys all remember, the Chiefs were supposed to play the Rams in Mexico, but that didn't happen because of field conditions at as uh, Azteca Stadium, which is where the Chiefs and Chargers are scheduled to play this year. We'll see if that'll be the case at least, but. The councilman is saying this as if the Chiefs are giving up a home game, which they're not. It's the Chargers who are giving up a home game to make this happen. Now, because the Chiefs and Rams were supposed to play an international game last year, uh, obviously it didn't happen. Therefore, they're going to do it this year, uh, but separate games. Rams are going to be giving up a home game uh, this year since they didn't do so last year because of the situation with the uh, field at Mexico City. And the Chiefs, they're going to... Uh, obliged to their agreement of being a road team for one of these international games in 2019, and that'll be against the Chargers. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans are upset about that because there are some Chiefs fans in LA, or maybe they'd be willing to make a trip there. It's a good place, of course, to go to vacation, one of the biggest cities in the U.S. and in the world, so makes sense. A lot of people are saying they'd be willing to go to Vegas for a road trip to go see the Chiefs, but uh, not going to be the case this year in LA. So if you had plans to go to LA for a Chiefs Chargers game, save it for another year because it won't be happening uh, in 2019 unless something crazy happens with the field. But uh, either way, uh, I'm not in favor of this. First of all, the NFL is not going to listen to a councilman and their idea. And I'm not trying to re- refute this guy or, or or say any negative things about this guy. But the NFL doesn't care what you have to say. Second of all, I, I don't like the logic. Yes, I get it. You're trying to help the state of Missouri. And you want to reach out to another big market in Missouri. Uh, maybe a similar councilman would have an idea like this for Green Bay to go to Milwaukee for a game. Which again would be crazy because Lambeau Field is known to be one of the best home stadiums in the NFL. Uh, maybe an idea of like, uh, like, like this would happen in Ohio. Uh, for Cleveland to go to Cincinnati or Cincinnati to Ohio uh, to Cleveland, excuse me, uh, if they were in a situation where only one city had an NFL team in Ohio. So I get it. He wants to expand to St. Louis and, and, and try to add more Chiefs fans from the St. Louis market. But look, you, you, you can't force things sometimes. Do what you can to promote. Put billboards up. Send a preseason game there. Not a regular season game. Send a preseason game. But don't give away a home game when you already did that for the London game in 2015 and you've got the best fans in the NFL, the loudest fans in the NFL. And I just don't see the logic in giving up a home game to play three hours away. I I just don't see that. I truly don't. Again, I'm not doubting that Chiefs fans would not show up. I think they will. Uh, It's similar to when KU basketball, when they play an NCAA tournament game, in Wichita or in St. Louis or in uh, Iowa, a lot of 
the fans make it for the trip, that's because it's an NCAA tournament game. It's a postseason game, not a regular season game. If there was a Super Bowl in St. Louis, then yeah, a lot of Chiefs fans would be willing to make that trip because that's a short drive from Kansas City. Uh, but not for a regular season game. It, 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 people are not go, uh, going to do that for a regular season game. At least not as many people. Uh, I know a lot of Chiefs fans wanted to go to Mexico. Well, look, I, I, I think that's a bit of a different story because Mexico is a fun place to go to uh, for a vacation. And adding the fact that maybe on your Monday or Sunday, whenever the Chiefs play, it's likely going to be a Monday you go see the Chiefs game, then you come home. Or you continue your, your vacation. Maybe you make that the start of your trip. Whatever. Uh, I'm just not in favor of this. I, I don't think you should give up a home game just to help another market and expand to that market and try to attract people who live there. I think the Chiefs have done what they can. You, you can hear Chiefs games in radio stations in St. Louis. You can hear Mitch Holtis and Len Dawson. Or not Len Dawson, but... Um, uh, Kendall Gammon, excuse me. You can hear them in radio airwaves in St. Louis. But please, not a home game. Pro Football Focus put out their top 101 list for 2019. Uh, they're releasing uh, 10 players every day. They have not released 1 through 10, although I imagine Patrick Mahomes is going to be number 1 on that list. And he will be the only Chief, Chiefs player That'll be on the 1 through 10 list. But they have released number 11 through 101. And here are the players. Uh, I'll start in uh, order backwards. Uh, Justin Houston was ranked the 80th best player by Pro Football Focus. D. Ford, 37th. 35 is Mitchell Schwartz, the only offensive lineman on this list, unless we're in for a surprise with the top 10. Tyreek Hill is 25th. Travis Kelsey is 23rd. Chris Jones made it in the top 20. He is ranked the 15th best player in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, One player who did not make the list, Mitch Morse. I'm very surprised Mitch Morse was not on this list. I think he definitely should be maybe in the bottom 50 of this list. Uh, Maybe 50 through 101, somewhere in there. He has not allowed a sack since his rookie season. And I know he's missed a few games here and there. Hasn't played a full 16-game schedule uh, every single season. But uh, he's still been been on the field quite a bit. And to not allow a sack for three years, that is no easy task for any offensive lineman. Especially a center when you deal with so many different linemen. You have to prepare for different defensive linemen each week. Or maybe an inside linebacker comes through the middle. You You have a lot of different players to prepare for. Whereas outside tackles, right tackles, left tackles... They really just prepare for one or two guys, which is the defensive end or the outside linebacker and maybe their backup who comes in. Offensive tackles don't have to prepare for so many different guys. So that's not a very easy thing for centers to do. And Mitch Morse, a guy who was a former tackle, converted to center. Again, that I'm sure presents some challenges when you make that conversion from college to the NFL. But Mitch Morse has done a great job of it. And I was very surprised he did not make... The uh, list for top 101 players by Pro Football Focus. Uh, Again, a recap. Justin Houston is 80th. Ford is 37. Schwartz is 35. Uh, Hill and Kelsey are in the 20s. 
And Chris Jones is in the top 20 at 15. And I think there's only one Chiefs player left, and that obviously is Patrick Mahomes. And I would, uh, I, I would, uh, I would be shocked if he was not number one. Pro Football Focus handed him uh, their uh, MVP award to Mahomes, so I imagine Mahomes is going to be number one on that list as well. I will post the complete list on Friday. Uh, sometime Friday, whenever Pro Football Focus reveals their top 10, and I'll let you guys know on Facebook and Twitter. So be on the lookout for that. Last thing before we go to our closing segments, I wanted to talk about the XFL in the AAF, uh, the Extreme Football League and the uh, American Alliance of Football League. Now, the XFL won't happen for another year, but the AAF does get underway this weekend, and there are a lot of former Chiefs players whose names you will recognize, uh, guys who will be participating in the AAF this weekend and uh, all season long, hopefully. Uh, So here are a couple of the Chiefs players. The first notable player on this list is Aaron Murray, the former quarterback drafted out of Georgia. He is going to be, in fact, he's actually one of the more notable players that will be playing in the AAF. So Aaron Murray uh, generally quarterbacks can be a big attraction, so I imagine there are going to be some Chiefs fans that will keep an eye on the AAF simply because of him. He's going to be playing for the Atlanta Legends, which makes sense because Atlanta is in the state of Georgia, and that is where Aaron Murray played college ball, so he's definitely going to be able to attract a lot of fans from the area. He broke a lot of records at Georgia, so surely a lot of people in Atlanta or in Georgia and Atlanta will be wanting to see him. Also, T.J. Barnes, former defensive lineman. He will be playing for Atlanta. Devontae Busby, uh, defensive back. Martin Bayless, he was a secondary coach. He is going to be an assistant coach for the Birmingham Iron. Anthony Becht, former tight end, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to be playing for the San Diego Fleet. Another former tight end, Gavin Escobar, He's also going to be playing in San, Di- uh, in San Diego. I don't think Escobar and Beck, no, they, they were never teammates in Kansas City, but now they'll be teammates in San Diego. Ricky Hartley, defensive tackle. Uh, Tyron Holmes, a linebacker. Uh, some of these guys are preseason legends, or maybe they were briefly with the team during OTAs. Uh, Montori Hughes, I do not know who that is. He was signed to a future contract in 2017, so... Makes sense if you don't recognize his name. Here's a name you guys will recognize, Akeem Hunt. This one a lot of people had fun with because the Chiefs at one point had a Kareem Hunt and an Akeem Hunt. And Akeem Hunt, he is going to be the running back for the Orlando Apollos. Shontavious Jones, a former wide receiver, he's going to be playing with Aaron Murray in Atlanta. Devin Lucin, a wide receiver, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Damian Mama, I remember him, defensive lineman. Uh, did some good things for the Chiefs, had some highlights in the preseason and he's going to be playing in San Diego. Jonathan Mascawi, linebacker for Birmingham. Alonzo Moore, wide receiver. Uh, Earl Oiken was signed to a future deal. Mike Purcell, a defensive lineman. Keith Reeser, former cornerback, who I believe spent a couple of seasons with the Chiefs. Rashad Ross, a wide receiver. He's going to be playing in Arizona. Their team is called the Arizona Hotshots. Uh, sounds like more of a basketball name than a football name. Nelson Spruce, a wide receiver. Uh, uh, here's another notable name. Not a player, but was a coaching intern in Kansas City last year. Michael Vick. He is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Legends. So he will be coaching and working very closely with Aaron Murray in Atlanta. So that is, uh, those are some of the notable players 
who uh, former Chiefs going to be going to be playing in the AAF. And this is going to be very interesting. A couple of things you should know about the AAF if you're going to watch. Their goal is to have games in uh, under two and a half hours. That is their goal. Season starts on Saturday and goes through April the 14th, followed by a four-team playoff format with the championship taking place April the 27th in Las Vegas at Sam Boyd Stadium, which is where the UNLV Rebels play. Uh, One other notable player outside of Kansas City, Trent Richardson. Running back drafted third overall by Cleveland in 2012, spent two seasons with Indianapolis and was briefly with the Raiders and the Ravens, also went to the CFL. Man, this is now his third league after being taken third overall. I don't think I've ever seen a player be taken in the first round and play for three different football leagues. That is uh, that is crazy for Trent Richardson. Uh, this is interesting. All AAF players... Regardless of position, they are all on a non-guaranteed three-year contract worth $250,000. No kickoffs in the AAF. All teams start at their own 25-yard line. And instead of onside kicks, team will have a, quote, fourth and ten type of scenario from their own 35-yard line. If they convert on that first down, they keep the football. And I assume they keep it wherever the play ends. If not... The opposing team takes over from, I guess, wherever the spot is. No PATs, only two-point conversions since there are no kickoffs, no kickers, no punters, no kick returners, none of that. Uh, Overtime period to help keep games stay below two and a half hours, which is a serious goal of theirs. Each team will have an offensive possession from the 10-yard line, and games uh, can't end in a tie after an overtime period. I just don't like that. I get their goal of two and a half hours, but putting your offense at the 10-yard line, what's the point? (laughs) I mean, I guess unless you have the best defense in the league, sure, but even even the best defense is once you're at the 10, you should be able to score. So I imagine there there should be ties, but you know someone's going to do something to screw that up. Uh, I I know a lot of NFL, a lot of people want to see the NFL adopt the college football overtime format. I'm just not a fan of putting an offense at the 25 and just going there. Even the worst offense should be able to come away with a score at the 25 if you're starting there. I, that's just yeah, I'm starting to rant on that, but I don't like it. So uh, you'll see in the AAF. Let's see how that plays out. But that is going to be their overtime format. Uh, so look, it'll be interesting to see how things go with these two leagues, the AAF and the XFL. The XFL announced their first head coach. It's Bob Stoops, former Oklahoma Sooners head coach. He will be the head coach for the Dallas XFL team. And I don't think they've had names yet. I think they're still working on it or they'll release the name soon. But Bob Stoops, former Oklahoma Sooner, he will be the head coach for Dallas in the XFL uh, I know a lot of people wondered, could guys like Tim Tebow, could guys like Colin Kaepernick, Johnny Manziel, Jamarcus Russell, could they consider going to leagues like this? Uh, they were all at one point big names, and right now they're all out of jobs, uh, at least with the NFL. I know Tebow's playing baseball, but would he consider a second shot at football in the XFL? That is something that I thought we'd see, uh, at least with the AAF, but we're, all, we're seeing it mostly with guys who were third-string players or practice squad guys in the AAF. You're not seeing a Tim Tebow type of player in the AAF, and I think he would tear it up, and I think he'd bring in a big audience for that. But same with Kaepernick, but uh, it doesn't look like it'll be 
happening in the AAF and probably not the XFL. Uh, let me know your thoughts on the, on those two leagues or anything else we've discussed here on the podcast. A lot we covered. Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. One of the more interesting quarterback situations in the NFL is in Philadelphia. You saw what happened when... Nick Foles took over, became Super Bowl MVP, and he started the season with the Eagles to begin 2019, and Carson Wentz suffered another injury, and Nick Foles finished the season, and he led them to a win. I know there was a lot of luck required in that Bears game in the wild card round, but still, a win is a win. You, uh, you, you'll never go against that. In fact, he made a lot of bonuses this year just based on. Uh, the amount of activity he's had in helping the team win playoff games. So Nick Foles has made a lot of money this year on some of the uh, contract uh, contractual agreements that he and the Eagles agreed upon last offseason. Ian Rappaport reported on Saturday the Eagles were expected to pick up Nick Foles' 2019 contract option of $20 million. On Tuesday, Foles informed the team he'll pay the $2 million back to void the contract and become a free agent at the start of the new league year which again starts at 3pm Central Standard Time on March the 13th let me just say, $20 million to not be a backup and sure, maybe they would have used him as trade bait if we're being honest, but that's a big statement, Nick Folds wants to play, he's a Super Bowl MVP you don't have a lot of Super Bowl MVPs You've had, what, 53 Super Bowls, a couple of repeat MVPs? Nick Foles is one of them. Nick Foles wants to go out there and have a chance at playing. I know he had his chance before with Philadelphia, the first time he played there uh, in Kansas City with the Rams, second time in Philly. But Philly, to be honest, everyone knows that they want to move on with Carson Wentz, which, I, I don't know, it sounds crazy, but you would think that Nick Foles is just a better guy at this point. And I know Carson Wentz has not been given a chance in the playoffs, but Nick Foles has. Nick Foles won three playoff games for you last year when you were underdogs in all of them. And he won one game for you this year. He's 4-1, and 4-2 uh, all time as an Eagles starting quarterback in the playoffs. And I don't know what it is about Nick Foles. This guy turns it up in December and January and February. Uh, but doesn't seem to be able to show that in the regular season, for most of the regular season. Why is that? I don't know. That'll be interesting to see how teams approach Nick Foles and what kind of offers he gets in free agency this year. Another story I wanted to talk about, one team that does have a home, the Ra- or doesn't have a home, excuse me, the Raiders, uh, they've agreed to play home games at Oracle Park for 2019 before moving to Las Vegas. Oracle Park, that is the home of the San Francisco Giants, so the Raiders would still be playing in a baseball stadium, but uh, there are a lot of things that would have to happen. There would need to be uh, several approvals for this, including the San Francisco 49ers to waive territorial rights for this to happen, and according to reports, that is not expected to happen, so it's not final yet. In fact, the mayor of San Francisco, and I don't know how, how much... Uh, how much of a decision or say he has in this, but he does not want the Raiders at Oracle Park. Perhaps there's a concern of how Raiders fans would behave if whether the stadium 
would need to hire additional security or crew members. I don't know. Uh, but you got that right there. And look, Raiders fans just have that reputation of throwing trash and creating a mess everywhere. And maybe you don't want that to spill in the San Francisco area where Oracle Park is. Uh, so that is maybe a concern. And that is something the Raiders would have to deal with. But for now, there is some progress being made as to where their home stadium uh, could be for 2019. But nothing final just yet. Last thing I want to talk about, Oklahoma Sooners athletic standout Kyler Murray expected to attend the scouting combine, deciding still between baseball and football. He did an interview with Dan Patrick during Super Bowl Media Week. And... Dan Patrick asked him if he's going to go to the Combine or what scouts are saying about him. He just sat there and didn't say a word. Just awkwardly looked at Dan Patrick. And look, I get it. Gatorade is sponsoring the interviews. And quite honestly, they wasted their money on this. You know you're going to be asked about this. He was asked, by the way, in a different interview by uh, Andrew Pellicero. And he said that he will, quote, very soon decide on which sport he wants to play. But look, you can still decline to answer it by saying, hey, look, we're still trying to figure that out. And Dan Patrick would understand and he'd move on. You could say, hey, look, we don't want to give a final answer yet because of reasons one, two, and three. And Dan Patrick, who's not a dummy, I mean, there's a reason why he has the platform that he has. He'll just move on from that. But uh, that was kind of weird. Kyler Murray just awkwardly not answering and not saying anything in that interview. But... Uh, yeah, he's going to be at the Combine. Uh, look, I think a lot of people are going to co- have some Patrick Mahomes comparisons for him. And they're going to wonder, hey, look, if Patrick Mahomes' baseball background is giving him this kind of an, an advantage, could Kyler Murray maybe not necessarily be exactly like Mahomes, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 passing yards? I mean, you got to have that great offense around you. But could you still see some similarities and just maybe bring that to an offense and help an offense improve in that area. I'd be curious to see how that goes. I'd be very curious. And I'm sure a lot of people will talk about that in a couple of weeks when the combine gets underway. Let's go out of bounds. (laughs) The NBA trade deadline Pretty crazy, Uh, pretty crazy ending. Anthony Davis and his agent, they demanded a trade publicly on social media. They got fined for it. The Pelicans were telling the league to enforce the tampering rule very strict uh, in case that was a thing that could have been uh, taking place. The Pelicans, they were demanding two first-round picks from the Lakers. The Lakers offered that, plus almost their entire roster, it felt like. Uh, And the Pelicans then demanded two more trades. The Lakers were pissed off because... They felt like that was an outrageous request. There were conflicting reports. I got multiple notifications from both Bleacher Report and ESPN. The Lakers are still after Anthony Davis. Oh, now the Lakers have withdrew interest because of outrageous requests. Oh, now the Lakers are back in it. Trade talks have resumed. Turned out nothing happened in the end, but there was a lot of craziness that went down there. Uh, Another interesting note from the NBA trade deadline, Harrison Barnes of the Dallas Mavericks, he got traded to Sacramento while he was playing a game for the Mavericks. Uh, LeBron James was not very happy about that. He took to Instagram and posted that it was unprofessionally done to trade someone during a game while he's playing and completely unaware when fans sitting right behind him, they knew what was going on. Listen, let me say this. The thing about the NBA, NHL, and MLB, you get traded 
during crazy times. They don't have a set schedule like the NFL. In the NFL, you have a couple of teams that play on Thursday and a couple of teams that play on Monday. Everybody else plays on Sunday. Now, at the end of the year, you have some Saturday games. For the most part, almost everyone's schedule in the NFL is the same. On Monday, you practice. Tuesday, you're off. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you practice. Saturday's a walkthrough and a travel day for most teams. Uh, So you get that. NFL teams have a very different format for this. That's why no one gets traded during a game. But in the NBA, all kinds of different schedules are happening. And listen, maybe the trade was not official, but it still got leaked by somebody. And maybe that's where the issue came where, hey, look, why is it? Why is this being leaked? Uh, I don't know. I mean, those things just happen, unfortunately. Uh, but, but listen, NBA teams... Everyone has different schedules. People are playing at different times, and you got to consider time zones. People can't sit and wait around. The, as soon as you have a deal that you agree upon, you got to submit it, and you got to move on as fast as you can. I can't remember, and someone please let me know, wasn't there a Royals player who was pulled out of a game because they informed him that he was traded? I can't remember who it was. I, I could have sworn it was a baseball team, and I thought it was the Royals recently. Someone got traded, and they pulled him out of a game to let them know about that. I don't know. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, I feel like this was very recent, either last season in baseball or the season before. Let me know if you know what I'm referring to because I could have sworn that happened very recently. Speaking of the MLB, they are going to remove the term disabled list and they're going to call it the injured list. And look, people are kind of confused about it. They don't like it. They think it's a silly thing to do even though they understand it's a place where you're trying to avoid Criticism and controversy, listen, I agree with this move. I've always thought the term disabled list was a very false description. A player being injured and a person being disabled are two very different things, two very different meanings. Uh, Look, just because something has been done a certain way for years doesn't mean it's always been the right way. Like I said, I've always wondered why it's called the disabled list. I get the term DL, uh, it's a very popular term that a lot of people have just used in the sport of baseball. The injured list, the IL, I guess, sounds odd. But after some time, I think we're going to get used to it. So uh, I think this is a good move. I I think that term, it's a word you've got to be very careful with. And it's not at all an accurate description. Uh, So uh, uh, an injured player is certainly not disabled, so to say. Uh, So I think this is a good move to get rid of that word and go with something else. So fully agree with that. For Major League Baseball. Last thing I want to talk about, UConn women's basketball. Yes, we're going to discuss UConn women's basketball on this show. Uh, they've lost two games since 2019 uh, has uh, has entered. Uh, they are ranked number five in women's NCAA. Their number five ranking is the lowest since 2007. That's the lowest they've been ranked. For any college program out there to be ranked number five in football, basketball, baseball, softball, whatever, being number five would be, I mean, you would treasure that. This is like a a bad moment for UConn right now to be ranked number five. Lowest since 2007, more than a decade. First time uh, UConn has lost two games in uh, in a season since the 2012 2013 season. They're currently 19 and 2. They appeared in the Final Four every year since 2007, uh, winning the national title six times during that span. I'm telling you, man, first world problems. 
But what a great problem to have. Number five ranking, lowest in 12 years. Boy, I mean, if you have that kind of a problem, that is a great problem to have. I mean, what what program out there... Well, what's the lowest Alabama's been ranked? I'd be very interested in knowing. Under Nick Saban, what's the lowest they've been ranked? See, I just thought of this. I If I would have thought of this ahead of time, I would have looked it up. But, uh, man, uh, I'm sure if Nick Saban, as long as he he's the head coach at Alabama... I think you could have a similar thing with UConn to go that long without being ranked outside of the top three or four, whatever. Uh, I'd be very interested in knowing uh, what other program has been able to stay within the top five for as long as possible. That'd be a very interesting uh, thing to, to look up for sure. But hey, UConn women's basketball, top five, or they're ranked number five, lowest since 2007. Again, that's a good problem to have. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Bad news for both KU and MU. Let's go in order here. The NCAA docked both of those teams. MU football, due to academic fraud, former MU tutor completed coursework for 12 student-athletes violating NCAA ethical conduct, academic misconduct, and academic extra benefit rules. So, look, uh, I can understand that, but MU football, they are angry about this simply because they're the ones taking the punishment on this because it's not just 12 uh, football players, it's 12 student athletes. That's the report there. And they're saying there's no proof of this too. So, uh, there's one incident right there. Uh, KU... Uh, boy, Bill Self was very upset about this. KU Basketball learned that they're going to uh, be without Silvio DeSouza for the rest of this year and next year as he is still ruled ineligible because uh, a former Adidas consultant, TJ Gasnola, he testified in federal court that he paid $2,500 to DeSouza's guardian. DeSouza claims he had no knowledge of this. And that he was he doesn't know who TJ Gasnola is. And KU, I mean, they've tried to prove everything. This has been a battle for several months now. And Bill Self mentioned that in all of his years, if his years coaching, pardon me, he has never seen anything like this. And he's been very upset with the way the NCAA has handled this. MU football, they've been upset about this as well because... It's basically now gotten to the point where there's no proof of this. You just hear this from someone and the NCAA takes their word and hands out sanctions. Uh, By the way, I saw Mizzou fans uh, being critical because, uh, and I can't remember the name of the person or the title, but it went viral on social media from MU fans that the person who hands out the punishments from the NCAA, he studied KU law and that's why Mizzou is getting screwed over. And then two days later, KU gets screwed over. So uh, I don't think this has anything to do with college football favorites or college team favorites. But, uh, man, look, it's unfortunate. The NCAA has a very, very thick rule book. There are a bunch of rules that even they cannot keep track of. And a lot of programs, you, you it's just hard to keep track of all of these things. And it just really comes down to how do you really know if 
you're handing out the right punishments here. These college students, they don't have a lot of time. They want, if, if they're going to be here for, for four or five years, they want their four or five years to be treated fairly. And if it's not, then it creates a whole nother mess and programs get upset about this. And this is why a lot of basketball players would gladly leave as soon as possible so they can go play professionally in the in the D League or the G League, whatever they call it now, the minor league basketball uh, for the NBA because it's gotten to the point where the NCAA is hurting these guys. Well, then might as well go play professionally in some level uh, and make a little bit of money since the NCAA is screwing you over. Uh, it's not a good look for the NCAA. They've got to have a better format and a better way of proving why these punishments are being made, are being handed out. I didn't mention this last episode uh, but Super Bowl commercials, they suck. They really do. When did it become a tradition that commercials now have to suck? Because the Super Bowl attracts a big audience. There are a lot of non-football fans, non-sports fans who watch because of the commercials, because of the comedy there. And look, there are a couple of, oh, haha. I mean, you chuckle a little bit, but man, the quality of these commercials have gone down drastically. I'd say the only good one was the NFL uh, 100-year anniversary commercial, uh, which involved Roger Goodell. The best thing he's done as commissioner was that commercial. Uh, Briefly, you saw Patrick Mahomes throw a no-look pass to Odell Beckham Jr. Peyton Manning was in it. So many players were in this. Russell Wilson, of course. Uh, That was was a cool commercial. Uh, Honestly, the only good commercials really were just the movie trailers. Uh, I got really excited when I saw the Avengers trailer. I was ecstatic for that. I uh, was not expecting the, the Captain Marvel trailer. Uh, a couple of other other trailers. I, a lot of people were excited for the Toy Story 4 trailer because it is, uh, of course, a, a very well-known Disney Pixar movie. So a lot of people were excited for that. I mean, th- th- there were some other movie trailers that people liked. The Game of Thrones one, that was terrible. I mean, what were you trying to say? Game of Thrones and Bud Light together? Plus, I'm pretty sure they were teasing a trailer, which is not what you got. My mom loved it. She's a huge Game of Thrones fan. She thought that was the greatest commercial ever. I'm like, why? I mean, that's that's not even a commercial. That's just stupid. It's it's Bud Light and Game of Thrones, which I don't even understand Like, what the point of that commercial was. Um, I don't think it's that hard to do better. Come on, you can do better than that. Oh, man. Uh, so the Super Bowl parade took place, of course, uh, following the Patriots' win over the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this was just crazy. I mean, it got a little negative, more negative attention than positive attention because Gronk, I mean, he was just weird. He takes off his shirt. He has uh, one of those construction vests on him, uh, and he... Gets a little handsy with his model girlfriend, and then he throws a Tide Pod. He throws Tide Pods into the crowd. I don't really understand that connection there, but uh, th- maybe someone else does, and maybe they can explain it to me. Uh, another thing that happened: uh, there was a massive brawl from Patriots fans. A massive brawl ensued in the streets of Boston. Uh, I shared the video on Facebook. You guys had a lot to say about this. Uh, Nina wrote, they were fighting over who gets to kiss Tom Brady on the lips. This is in response to Tom Brady kissing Robert Kraft on the lips. And I guess there's a history of that with Tom Brady. We saw that in the documentary with Tom Brady last year. And 
several other uh, instances where that's happened. Tim wrote, they threw more fists than their team scored points. Uh, by the way, there's one guy who just knocks people out from behind. I mean, not that I promote violence or things like this, but isn't there like a non-written rule that, look, if you're going to fight someone, do it face-to-face. Don't just knock them out from behind when they're fighting someone else. And there's another dude in there who looks exactly like Andrew Luck. He puts his hoodie up because he sees people are filming this. Uh, Didi wrote, wow, alcohol problems, perhaps. Lara wrote, or Lara, I, I pronounced that correctly. I probably screwed that up. Uh, she wrote, seriously, can't people just celebrate nicely with the shrug emoji? Wilson wrote, every team has a bunch of idiots that fight over stupid things. These Pats fans are idiots, but at least they didn't destroy the city. Yeah, at least they didn't destroy the city. At least Boston didn't burn down, right? Um, here's my question. Like, we, we like to use logic on this podcast, right? I mean, I try to promote logic, rational thinking. Uh, why are you fighting? <laughs> you just won your sixth Super Bowl. Why are you fighting? I mean, look, when people, uh, when fans of opposing teams, different teams, when they fight, I still think it's stupid, but I, I guess I get it. Like, you're fighting because you're, you think your team is better. Uh, but I, I, I've still seen people who are, you know, at Arrowhead, I've seen, I've seen Chiefs fans fight each other. I've, I've seen Broncos fans fight, Raiders fans fight. I'm sure Raiders fans fight each other every week in that Coliseum, which they're no longer going to be there, but you get the idea. Why are you fighting? (laughs) You just won a Super Bowl. Everyone should be happy. Everyone should be hugging and kissing strangers in Boston. You should be happy that you won your sixth Super Bowl after being underdogs and people betting against you and and all these other things why are you fighting (laughs) what's what happens maybe okay uh someone mentioned alcohol problems with with these fans okay perhaps um what what happens like who are these strangers that meet up and get into this argument like what argument happens did someone bump into someone aggressively did did someone try to take someone's girl like what happened when when this fight into i just laugh when sports fans fight but it's even funnier when it's like such a happy occasion like a super bowl parade i I feel we would fight for a super bowl parade here in kansas not with each other or other people but we would fight to have it happen um but hey look i mean i i don't know i guess you can't please everybody uh, I remember when uh, Kansas City had that Royals parade downtown. 800,000 people showed up, and uh, according to Kansas City Police, only four arrests were made. And I'll tell you what, man. If you only arrest four people in a crowd of 800,000 people for a, a celebration where there probably are a lot of people drinking and being crazy, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, you'd like to say that, you know, there is zero criminal activity somewhere or that in a in a college uh, there's a zero percent of students dropping out but unfortunately that's not realistic but to have it that minimal i did the math on this that is point zero 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 five percent of people that got arrested so look i mean now police are apparently investigating this not exactly sure what you're going to do, but a lot of people were filming it, so 
Uh, I, I suppose you could use the video to track down these people, but I don't know. I, I know nowadays when people get filmed for doing something they shouldn't do, and if it goes viral, people find them, but uh, there were a lot of people involved in this, and I don't know how you're going to find everybody, but... I, I mean, you, you just won a Super Bowl, man. And like, if, if the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns fans last year, they had a parade for going 0-16. I mean, they're celebrating going 0-16. We hear our Patriots fans fighting for winning a Super Bowl. Come on. What are we doing here? That's wrong. That's just wrong. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Vasuga, and thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. This is hard to believe the last week we are going to have bi-weekly episodes of the podcast uh, from now on, episodes will now be released on Fridays, so be on the lookout for these episodes now Friday mornings. Now, when free agency, when, when the draft comes, we'll probably have multiple episodes per week, so that is something to be aware of. Uh, so we are going to do one episode per week, it'll be on Fridays, and if there's breaking news involving the NFL or the Chiefs, we will do uh, bonus coverage of the Chiefs on podcast. We'll have that here for you, uh, but if none of that happens then expect only one episode per week of the podcast for at least the next month in the offseason. Facebook.com slash Farzine Basugan. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at Farzinebasugian.com. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And make sure you are sharing the links as well. Appreciate those who have been doing that, spreading the word for the Chief Zone podcast. Season is now over with. Everyone is now in off-season mode. We will talk about the top free agents, not just in Kansas City, but across the NFL. Who are the top free agents in the NFL, and who could the Chiefs go after in free agency? We will talk about that and much more next Friday. Enjoy your weekend. My name is Farzine Vasugian. I will talk to you next week.